We are back for another edition of Number One Fan Club, and I'm here with my buddy Craig. We just wrapped up Power Pop and blazed our way through the 70s with all of the early innovators of Power Pop, and we decided to jump all the way up to the early to mid-90s and talk about one of our other favorite music movements, which is Britpop. And, you know, Craig, it's unlike a lot of other genres or movements that have, have come and gone, which it's, it's defined very specifically by a time and a place. Yep. You know, absolutely. Very British and it's very mid nineties, right? It is a lot more short lived than I really gave it credit for. I categorized Britpop carrying on into the early mid aughts and it really technically did not. So this, this is good research. This is good uh, information for me because I didn't realize how truly short lived it was. Yeah, I agree. And, and I kind of, I, when I really looked into Britpop more, I realized a lot of the bands that I think are Britpop aren't really considered Britpop and that's okay. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. You know, for me, Stone Roses are Britpop, but if you read material on Britpop, really Stone Roses were just before Britpop. Well, that that's a good point. And I think maybe you you and I have both done research and I know you love doing this to kind of dive into just the, you know, where it where it evolves from and what what's the technical definition. So what did you find is kind of the technical definition of Britpop? Yeah, what I found, you know, more than anything, and I think we knew this, and this is one of the things I've always loved about Britpop is is and they used the phrase Britishness. It was very British. And right. I love that. You know, yep. for instance, when you listen to songs by Blur or Oasis or Supergrass, you know that they're from somewhere in England. They're not from middle America. Absolutely. Uh, I, I love, I read something too that t- talked about, hadn't really thought about this too much before, but it was always in my subconscious, is the focus was very much on songwriting. Mm. Which Oh, yeah, it, sure. It brought it back, you know, because... In in America, around the same time, just prior to Britpop emerging in the, you know, they really 1993 is when it really kicked off. But prior to that and into the early 90s, you had grunge, which is completely American. Right. And, you know, it was associated with Seattle, but you really didn't have to be from Seattle. You could be from Nebraska and be a grunge band and you'd be looped into that grunge movement. You couldn't be from Nebraska and be a Britpop band, period. You can't. Right. I love that, that it's a very specific time and place. And that, you know, I've joked with you and other friends before in talking about music that a lot of bands that are from America sing like they're from England. And then there's a lot of bands from England who sing like they're American, or at least you can't tell their accent. Yep. That's not the case with most of these Britpop bands. You yeah. hear you hear the accent, the dialect. You um, know it. The phrases, there's certain phrases, certain things that people say in England that we don't say in the U.S. that you pick up on that. And I love that. I love, I always love that about these bands, the Britishness of it. Absolutely. Uh, It's interesting you mentioned grunge because I think both of those genres, for one, they ran parallel with one another. And and two, they were equally short-lived. I think grunge was probably even, maybe even more so short-lived uh, yet it garnered probably a lot more popularity, at least here in the States, right? 
Uh, but I feel like the songwriting, and I think that perfectly epitomizes Britpop, the songwriting is so much better uh, in, in many aspects than a lot of the other genres that really garnered better popularity. And I think Britpop is the perfect name for it as much as I don't overall don't like being categorized or having to compartmentalize music. Some of these labels are really apt, and I think Britpop is because it is popular music from Britpop. So this is a this is a good little deep dive, I think, for both of us, because we're discovering where it evolved from, who are the quintessential bands and and realizing, wow, some of the bands that I that I love are that I didn't really consider Britpop and then vice versa. On the flip side of that, hmm, I've always categorized these guys in that category and and they're technically not. So fun. Yeah. One of the things, just one more point on that you mentioned about. Britpop is the perfect name for it, but I don't love it either because someone who doesn't know Britpop might think Spice Girls would fit into that category, right? If I said, True oh, I love Britpop, yep. someone might say, oh, so you're a Spice Girls fan. No, no. Well, let's talk about Blur and Oasis and Suede, but not Spice Girls as a Britpop band. That's right. the only thing I don't like about it. That's the name true. grunge really epitomized what the music was if you heard the label you could if you'd never heard a grunge song you could probably figure out it's sludgy and you know probably loud and you know dirty and gritty but um you know Britpop to me yeah back to that point the songwriting was solid and really you know if we talk about the legacy craig the you know the bands that were in the 80s mid to late 80s that really laid the groundwork like the smiths and stone roses and a lot of those shoegaze bands, the Madchester scene with, you know, bands like Charlatans UK, all of those bands sort of were the the predecessor to Britpop. But then if you go back even further, Craig, one of your all-time favorite bands, I think the Kinks really laid the groundwork. Oh, sure. Truly for what? Because they talked about things that were British, right? They were, I mean, the Beatles... And other bands in that time period, the British invasion, a lot of those bands didn't talk about things that were British, but Ray Davies really did. And I feel like this was, I feel like there's the godfather of Britpop is Ray Davies. Well, it's interesting you say that because I've got an article. So I, I did research from various you know publications and th- just resources online. And one of my favorites came from Britannica. Uh, and it basically defines Britpop. And there was an article from NME, New Musical Express, uh, in which they referred to Paul Weller of the Jam as the mod father of Britpop. And I found that interesting because Paul Weller coming from not only the Jam, but then subsequently the Style Council, neither one of those are really in that same vibe, but they are inherently British. Um, and so, okay, it kind of does fit. You've got a little bit of punk, a good bit of soul towards the latter end of the Jam and and uh, the Style Council. And I, I thought that was interesting because neither one of those bands would typically be a band that would be categorized as Britpop. So there's a lot of contradictions out there for genres in general, and this is no exception. But I thought that was interesting. I never really thought of Paul Weller, but it totally makes sense. His style, it wasn't just the music, but it's just his style, the way he dressed, the way he cut his hair. You can see that, especially with bands like Oasis and you know, ocean color scene and stuff like that. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it's a good point. I think, you know, with the jam, they were considered a punk band, but their songwriting really wasn't punk. It was a, 
it was punk energy with great songcraft. Not to say there aren't punk artists that had great songcraft, but yeah, Paul Weller really had. I mean, those songs like you know, that's entertainment and in the city and um, town called Malice. I mean, those are great yeah. pop songs. Well, punk's and, another one of those genres that really kind of gets and I'm at kind of a bad rep because it punk a lot of times it's just attitude. I mean, Elvis Costello might even be considered punk, and he's not really punk. And the Jam were one of those bands that evolved very quickly after really, you know, this is the modern world. After that point, they really became mod. Yeah, but it's interesting though, that just stylistically, the songwriting, if you go back, and that's a good point about Weller, he's an expert song craftsman. He just is. So regardless of this, the music, the, the structure behind it, the songs themselves are just very well crafted and that fits Britpop, right? Yeah, I, I agree. You know, one thing I'll say about it's always amazed me that a country the size of England, how many bands, how many great artists have, oh, have yeah. emerged from there through the years. I mean, you look at the right. size of America or Canada. Yep. And then you compare that with England. And, and it just seems, I mean, they've had some really, you know, some stuff that really isn't great come out of England. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, you look at the bands and I feel like, the 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 british you know music listener is just there's just something there they have such great bands and you know this really comes through with Britpop. absolutely i we'll we'll talk about region you know we'll, we'll start getting into uh regions and areas of the world that specifically because i think that's a that's a great example of a, a very small area relative to the united states and other areas that puts out just a condensed amount of awesomeness. <laughs> and there's yeah. another area I want to talk, you know, you already know where I'm going with it. So I'm teasing a little bit, but yeah, Britain was just to me a treasure trove. And I think maybe because it was much more condensed, maybe that influence was more universal. I don't know. I, it, it's fascinating to me. Some of my favorite bands are from Britain. So yep, me, me too. Uh, well, let's talk about some of those bands for a minute that, cool. you know, when we look at Britpop and if you read the definition, it really was 1993 to 1997. Wow. And then okay. we'll talk in a minute about the post Britpop bands, but really when you confine it to that four year period, that's tight. It, yeah. It's a tight time frame, and it really narrows it down. But, you know, right out of the gate, I mean, there's the obvious ones, Craig, like Oasis, Blur, Suede, Pulp, but also you think about bands like super furry animals and ocean color scene and even the verb, you know, when they, even though they were way more psychedelic than most of these other bands, they're really considered in that period to have been a Brit pop band as well, emerging in that same time frame. Oh yeah. The verve hits almost all points of what this podcast is about. I mean, they hit shoegaze, they hit dream pop, they hit Brit pop. They're probably one of the more universal bands, but I, I probably would put Britpop as one of the, well, that wouldn't be the first thing I go to. So it's interesting. The list I got is pretty huge, but bear in mind the resource I used actually put 1990 to 2000, which I was surprised compared to, I saw the same same resource you saw where it was really confined. So yeah, I mean, Super Furry Animals, one of my favorites. I see you mentioned Supergrass earlier could be my favorite Britpop band. I mean, they're one of my favorite bands, period. Uh, but then there's a ton of bands out there that maybe put out a couple of albums that people didn't know. The Auteurs. Love the Auteurs. 
Uh, of course, Blur, Boo Radley's. We both love Boo Radley's. Oh, yeah. um, there's so much stuff out there. Corner Shop. I mean, remember they had a pretty big hit back in the back in the 90s. I'd say this particular list that I'm looking at has maybe 40 to 50 bands. It's a good variance to me of sound too, because really, you know, the Verve doesn't really sound a whole lot like Pulp, and Pulp doesn't sound a whole lot like Ride. Ride is in, is in some cases considered a Britpop band. I don't know if I would have put them there. So, yeah, they're they're on the on the periphery for me as well because I do kind of think of them as Britpop, but I also them in that shoegaze category as well, and they're probably one of the you know really true shoegaze bands, but they evolved like very to me, quickly. That second, yeah, that second album, uh, going blank again. I mean, there's songs in there that are pure Brit pop, they even are. though it's a little before the '93 time frame. But Twisterella, probably my favorite song by Ride. I know you have a different one, but on that second album, that feels very Brit pop to me. Oh, absolutely, and it that follows "Leave Them All Behind," which is, ugh, I mean, that's just pure drenched in reverb total shoegaze so but they evolved now the band really quickly evolved into something else so i i don't know i I don't want to confine things too much i think we know deep down who the the big dogs the forefathers the 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 bands that people think of when they think of Britpop. if they know they go to right yeah that's right and then you know moving out of that 93 to 97 time frame. One band also I have to mention that I love Manic Street Preachers also yep. Yep. fall into that. But they're but they're really not very well known out of outside of outside of the UK, right? They're right. You ask the common music fan in the US and they've never heard of Manic Street Preachers. Same thing um, with Gene. Think about yep. Gene is is a band that's right in that that wheelhouse that once again ran parallel and in some aspects kept going. I don't hear people talk about Gene too much and and they've got, you know, a brilliant album and a and a solid catalog. So, yeah. Oh, I love, you know, I love Gene and and some people pass them off as a you know, another ver- a, a, an updated version of the Smiths. And, and yeah, they sound a sure. lot like them, but uh, I love them. I that first album, Olympian is incredible. Fantastic um, album. Yep. And their B-sides and, and the albums that followed, great. I love them all. I mean, look, um, you've got Charlatans UK, uh, yep. Elastica. With, a lot of people don't talk about them. They were technically Britpop. That first album debut is fantastic. Mentioned Gene. Coolie Shaker, there's another one too that had some solid output. Their debut was really, really good. Ocean Color Scene, I mentioned them before. People don't talk about them too much. Pulp, think about how... Jarvis Cocker himself is just one of the better songwriters out there. I don't hear people talk about Pulp too much either. I, I agree. Um, one last thing I'm going to mention before we move on, we'll talk a little bit about what's called post-Britpop, because that's really yep. what became globally bigger than Britpop. And it did. we'll talk about those bands. But one last band I got to mention that we both love that I think is just before Britpop, but I, I really think of them as Britpop or Trash Can Sinatras. Absolutely. I, I categorize them as a uh, Britpop for sure. Yeah. And, and and by the way, one other I'll have to mention real fast, Railway Children. I love Railway Children. I do too. I've got that uh, that debut on record. It's fantastic. Yeah. No one, and but they don't really get, if you read through stuff online about Britpop, Railway Children will never really pop up. But It's it's sad. And if you go back and look at their catalog and listen to it, it's as consistent and and it's British. You know when you hear it, that that fits the criteria. Absolutely. 
All right, let's talk about post Britpop for a minute. So yeah. then you know, move into the late nineties into early two thousands and it takes off because there are a couple bands out of the UK that explode and yep. you know who I'm talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, up until this experiment, I didn't know that post Britpop was a thing. I didn't know it was a categorization. I'd never heard it before, but it totally makes sense. But yeah, the two big dogs prior to one now that's just kind of taken over the world was Radiohead and The Verve is actually considered kind of post Britpop in themselves too. But yeah, I mean, if you look at some of these bands that are categorized as, as post Britpop, you have Travis, Snow Patrol, Stereophonics, Feeder, and of course, Coldplay. Yeah, I mean, the first album really does fit into, now that I know that it's a thing, post-Britpop, you listen to the first album, that is, you know, they got more commercial, but the first album really is a, probably a pretty good definition of post-Britpop, just like uh, Radiohead's first two albums are really yeah. post-Britpop. And then Radiohead, just what I love about them is they they remain curious. You know, they continue to evolve a lot of these other bands. They didn't just change their style. They completely became a different band and and did it very well for many years. And I love that. The other band you didn't mention, I know you have in your mind, that because they don't fit into the guitar part. When I think of Britpop, post-Britpop, it's a lot of you know, it's great melodies, really good guitar. But the other band, because they don't have a guitar player, is Keen. I love Keen. Yeah, absolutely. I saw Keen... I didn't really go to see them. The The two opening acts I went to see and I go, hey, by the way, they're opening up for Keen. And the two opening acts, won't mention, were, were both really good. But then Keen comes on and we're just completely and totally consumed. They just put on such a, a, a stellar performance that it just kind of wiped everything out that happened prior. Uh, and at that point, I realized, wow, like in front of, um, we're talking maybe 50, 60 people, uh, I realized, wow, like what a what a treat to to witness this. These guys have got to get big. And of course, they exploded with that first album. I don't know what kind of success they had after that, but that first one was a huge success. I I used to listen to that album just nonstop rotation. I loved the first Keen album. And same with Travis, the the man who, you know, the Oh yeah. Really the first couple albums are just Absolute classic. Those first two albums to me are, that's another band that I think the critics may look at them as a little apish, and I don't think so at all. They had their own style, one of the quintessential kind of prototypical post-Britpop bands. Absolutely. All right. We're going to, just in winding down and talking about Britpop, two things I wanted to cover just for fun is, and we'll put you on the spot a little bit, but if you had to pick a song, and it's got to be in that or at least try to fit into that 93, 97 time frame that yep. is just quintessential Britpop. Because I've got one. I had to actually go back and think about it. And then I had to check and see if it fit into 93 to 97. It just made it. But I have a song that'll be a bit of a surprise. But do you have a quintessential Britpop song? All right. So let's look and see, because I'm almost certain that this is just on the inside of that time frame so let me look and see and, and we'll let you pass if it's a little yeah, no no no, no. Little no i got it it's 1994 easy right. Tra- tracy jacks from blur one of the signature Britpop songs out there wasn't a single i don't think but yeah i think that 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 song is perfect now there's probably four or five other ones that you could also call quintessential from from blur yeah 
I, I expanded out a little bit thinking about this. And again, I had to go back and make sure because the first album was really very British. The second album brought it more away from just pure Britishness, if you will. But I love Supergrass and I love the second album in it for the money. That's yeah. Masterpiece. I mean, and I was looking on, I'm just curious, are you going cheapskate? What are you going with here? I'm going cheapskate. Absolutely. 100%. And for me, the reason is that was the song that when 1997, when that album came out, that song made me get curious about going back into some of the, I I had dismissed, I'll be honest, in the mid nineties, I really wasn't into Oasis and Blur. Cheapskate, that song, that's the song that opened the door for me. And then I went back to start listening to Oasis and Blur because it was very British and it has everything that I love. It's got that 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 choppy organ, great guitar, and then the way it just blows up. You know, it's kind of yeah going along at a steady pace, and then when it gets to the chorus, it kicks in, and it's such a just such a great sort of anthem. You know, you can't help but sing along. It's it feels like a festival music festival song. Yep. Yeah. For me, Cheapskate is hands down my favorite Britpop song. I love it. I love the the fact that you picked them. I, I know I, I think I know where you're going after this, and I was tempted to go with so in it for the money for me is a top ten album of all time, any genre. That album yeah. is pure perfection. Uh, nothing topped it in this realm. Nothing Verve did, nothing Blur did, nothing Oasis did really came close to that album. And they had some, they had some perfect albums too, but this was perfect times 10 for me. Uh, cause it was so experimental and something about that album just seemed fresh, but nothing seemed to be a retread of what played before. Every single song had its own identity and it all fit together. I love, love, love that album. And I love that band. They, I was tempted. I'm tempted to go with them as being my favorite Britpop band because I should Coco. The first album is fantastic. But then you look latter day at some of the stuff they did. The self-title follow-up album is fantastic. It just followed in it for the money. So it didn't really stand a chance, but life on other planets and Oh God, Road to Ruin, I think is might be their second or third best album. So that's a band that continued to evolve. And I'm still to this day waiting for them to put out a comeback album because I, I feel like they still have brilliance still in them. No doubt. And and that the thing I love, and we'll wrap up this part of it and, and jump into who our band our band is, but yeah, in it for the money. There's not a weak song on the album, and that's I nope. love the fact that from start to finish, you don't need to skip anything. It, you won't hear it all. It, it is an absolute classic masterpiece. All right, let's talk for a minute, wrapping up here. Got to pick one band. Both of us have to pick one band. Who is your all-time great favorite Britpop band? Well, I'm going to go against what I just said, only because they had a little bit more material that they preceded Supergrass. I'm going Blur, but to me, they are the one of the quintessential Britpop bands. And you mentioned Radiohead, their evolution. Blur was a band that continually evolved. And so the sound that they crafted on the first album was really nothing like what they did on their last one. I I figured you were going to go there. And I was hoping that we would pick different bands and not have the same band. So mine is Oasis. And you knew that. Yeah, I, I, I love Oasis. After I heard Supergrass, I went back and started listening to Oasis, really listening to them because I knew the hits. But Man, 
those first two albums are just mm-hmm. incredible. And I was reading back, I didn't realize this. What's the story of Morning Glory? Sold 4 million copies in the UK. It's the fifth, I believe I saw as the fifth best-selling album of all time in the UK. And just what what else can you say? And here, here's what I will say. I want to challenge you to a bit of a debate on the next podcast. I think all throughout the papers back in the uh, the mid-90s of Oasis versus Blur, yeah, I, uh, I'll challenge you to a debate. Let's talk about it and give our reasons why we think it's you think it's blur. I think it's Oasis. I think it's time that we have that conversation. Cool. I think we can do that in a constructive and non-toxic way. <laughs> I'll, try, I'll try not to yell at you or anything. Or you know, so, I mean, how can you argue against blur or, or Oasis? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. Okay. So we're going to sign off here. We will come back next week and have a conversation about Oasis versus Blur. We're going to keep it to those two bands for that podcast. Yeah. And uh, really, hopefully, we'll, we'll provide the listeners with new stuff they didn't know about both bands. All right, Craig, I look forward to it. With that, number one fan club signing out for today. All right. Take care. See you, man. I got a fan club.